1: Our world is full of the unexplainable, and if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. The Old West, a time of change and growth of outlaws and renegades, gunfights in the streets, and swift justice without all the red tape. Disagreements were settled when they happened, and often the only form of mediation required was a bullet. If the movies, television shows, and video games we all experience are true, the Old West was a time when laws meant less than one's personal code of honor. If someone thought you did them wrong, you made it right, or you died trying. One man thought Robert Fallon had done them wrong during a poker game in 1858. It happened in San Francisco, just eight years after California joined the country as a full-fledged state. The city was growing out from under the thumb of Mexico's rule, and planting the seeds of the San Francisco we know today. Originally nothing more than a trading post for the West, San Francisco's dirt roads had been paved over and its hills leveled for new homes and businesses. One of those new businesses happened to be a saloon. You'd recognize the scene immediately. A dusty wooden floor, men in heavy jackets and tall hats, all sitting around a table drinking whiskey. And in one dark corner, a game of cards with the stakes higher than they'd ever been. Lose a hand, lose a shirt, or maybe more. Robert Fallon had been playing for a while with a group of men who nursed their beers and down shots in between their hands. Some won a little, some lost a little. But Robert had something about him, a kind of aura that had skipped over the other players. A kind of luck. But they didn't see it that way, and they didn't take kindly to cheaters either. Actually, they didn't take kindly to anyone winning who wasn't them. Robert had amassed a small fortune at his seat, about $600, and his companions thought something was amiss. Tired of losing every hand, one man stood up and called him out for cheating. Robert, surprised by the allegation, tried to explain he'd done nothing wrong, but no one wanted to hear it. More excuses from a lying cheat, they figured, so they shot him before he'd had a chance to prove his innocence. His opponents, not wanting to stop a game for something as inconsequential as a dead cheater, looked for someone else to take his place at the table. The new player hunkered down in the dead man's seat, and the table gifted him with the $600 his predecessor had already won, Hand after hand, this new young man seemed to display a similar brand of luck as Robert's. He turned that $600 into $2,200 in no time. And just like before, his opponents weren't very happy. But before anyone could pull a revolver from their holster, the police burst into the saloon. Word had traveled fast, and they were on the hunt for the late Fallon's killer. They surveyed the scene and asked a few questions before telling the players that that $600 that Robert had won should go to his next of kin, and not this new card player. The players looked around, unsure of how to find Robert's family. They didn't know anything about him, where he'd come from, where he was headed. All of it was a mystery. The new player, however, this young man who'd almost quadrupled Robert's winnings that night, wanted to see whose money it was that he'd taken. He looked down at the body and got one good look at the face and then knew the money had been his all along. Robert Fallon had been killed that night, only to have his estranged son take his place. The two hadn't spoken in seven years. And that right there is what some might call the luck of the draw.
2: The cat slash
1: iHeart. We're rarely in the right place at the right time, when it counts. On the eve of a lottery drawing, we buy a ticket and hope for the best, but it's always someone three states away who bought their ticket before us who wins the jackpot. And there we are, in the wrong place at the wrong time. In the case of Michael Dick, a carpenter and father from Suffolk, England, He'd been right where he needed to be at just the right time. He'd lost track of his daughter in the late 90s. He and his wife had divorced, and after the papers had been signed, she and their daughter Lisa moved to Sudbury. They hadn't gone far, maybe a handful of miles, but Michael somehow lost touch with both of them. Ten years passed, and Michael found himself part of a new family with a new wife and two daughters. But he never forgot about Lisa. She crossed his mind every day. What was she learning in school? What kind of food did she like? Was she happy? Did she remember him? In the summer of 2007, Michael had had enough. He couldn't be content knowing his daughter was out there somewhere without him. All he had to go on was a general location and a father's determination to make his family whole again. He and his two daughters went door to door in search of Lisa, but the effort proved too great for the three of them. His next thought was to scour the local election records for her name and information. Nothing. She was a ghost, and Michael was at the end of his rope. And then, he got an idea. A long shot, really, but it was the only card left for him to play. He contacted a local reporter at the newspaper in Sudbury and asked them to run a story about his efforts in finding his daughter. Instead of them running all over town looking for her, they'd let her come to them. The reporter agreed and snapped a photo of Michael and his two girls to run alongside the story. All he had to do now was wait. The article ran the next day, but neither Michael nor the reporter got a response. Another day passed, still nothing. And then, days later, the phone rang. Lisa had found the story. Well, her friends had found it, and they showed it to her. She read through the piece and just knew she had to get in touch. Lisa and her father met up that evening to catch up on a decade's worth of lost time, exchanging hugs and stories, and share pictures of their lives that had played out separately up to that point. But amidst the tales of her upbringing and the photos of her children, his instant grandchildren, as he liked to call them, was one other story. A story Michael wouldn't have believed if he hadn't seen the proof for himself. When her friends showed her the article in the Sudbury newspaper... Something immediately stood out to her about the photograph they printed above it. There was her father, older and with less hair than she remembered, with his arms around her half-sisters. Lisa didn't know them, but she did know one other person in the photo she hadn't expected to see. Herself. When the reporter had snapped the picture, they'd also caught Lisa in the background pushing one of her children along in a stroller, yards away from her father and half-sisters. What's more, she had moved out of Sudbury a long time ago, and had only been there in the city for a single day to visit her mother. That picture of Lisa and her father was a a one-in-a-million shot. Michael may not have won the lottery that day, but both he and his daughter had been in just the right place at just the right time, and because of that, they won something a whole lot better. Family